In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who comes in order to assure us of our place in the wedding banquet, given that we are present for his return. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, so we're starting off a new sermon series today, and this new sermon series, Entrusted, is the last sermon series that we have for this annual focus year. Uh, So here at University Lutheran, we do this annual focus thing. It goes along with this weird thing called the church year. The church year is not the calendar year, but it's close, so it's really confusing. But the church year ends in kind of late November. And uh, then we, we start off a new church year with Advent as we start getting ready for Christmas to come, um, and, and then after that, then we, we kind of keep on going through. So it's, it's sort of like a fiscal year. It's, you know, it, it's a year, but it's sort of offset. And, and so what we're doing is we're embracing the, the three Sundays that, that are coming up here. We're embracing all of the readings that come from Matthew 25, this sort of classic chapter in Matthew, and classic in, in the sense that, it, that all of the stories in this chapter are sort of pointing the same direction. They're pointing the direction of us getting ready for Jesus to come back. These are all things that Jesus is saying right before he goes in to be uh, crucified, died, and buried, and, and raised again. And, and right before he goes to be crucified, he's giving his, his disciples information about what it means to be his followers. And, and he's really giving his church information about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And what it has meant for us this entire year, we've been doing this annual focus called Follow Me, which the idea was that we were going to be talking about uh, discipleship and, and how we are called by Jesus to follow him and to be his disciples and to, uh, and to, to go through all of that. And we had a pandemic that showed up in the middle of this annual focus. And so uh, we sort of lost a little bit of that discipleship stuff, but it's still, it's still been there. And one of the things about discipleship, though, is, is that a lot of times we can kind of, you know, get this idea that there's a separation, that, you know, that there are Christians and then there are disciples. And, and you know, it's sort of like, okay, there's Christians, those are the people that, well, they believe in Jesus, and that's, you know, that's kind of good, they've been baptized, all right, that's all right. Uh, but then there's disciples, and whoa, disciples, that's a tough word because we know that the root of that word is the same root as discipline and we don't like that um, unless we are super holy in which case we're like sign me up for more discipline I want to be disciplined please come and beat me Jesus Um, uh, that's what I want to be and and so we we sort of have that idea that uh, okay there's Christians and that there's disciples which is a false dichotomy it is not the way that scripture talks in fact the way that scripture talks uh, about disciples comes from the end of this book it comes from Matthew 28 and Matthew 28 Jesus tells his disciples to go and make other disciples. And and he says, okay, how do you make those disciples? Will you go and you baptize them and you teach them? And and so if you've been baptized in here and if you've been taught in here, guess what? You're a disciple. And, And we go, well, okay, fine. So I'm a disciple. But we still, we, we kind of know that there are certain behaviors out there, right? 
we know that there are, you know, sort of super Christian behaviors, and we know that there are, you know, sort of not so super Christian behaviors. We know people according to their behaviors. We know ourselves according to our behaviors. And what we like to do is, you know, we like to make judgment calls based on those behaviors and and how things go. And, And so we can go, okay, I know John never reads his Bible. And I know Sally reads her Bible every morning in the morning because she takes an Instagram picture of her and her coffee cup and her Bible. And, and, and so we go, okay, we can see the, the difference in, in behavior there. And we start to make some judgment calls around behavior, even if we're not making those judgment calls anymore, saying, okay, this person's a Christian and this person's a disciple. We're saying, okay, there, there is a little bit of something there with the behavior. And we, we do, you know, we, we do the same thing with bad stuff. So we, we go, I know that John sleeps with prostitutes. And, uh, and you go, okay, well, I know that that's not a good thing. So I, I know that's a behavior, and I'm going to judge that behavior. And I know that Sally also sleeps with prostitutes, and that's still a bad behavior on Sally's part, even if she's getting up in the morning every morning with her Instagram and her Bible. It's not good. That behavior stuff, uh, we go, okay, there, there's something to behavior. And, and we recognize that there's something to behavior there. And that's kind of where we jump into this story. We, we jump into this story of, of the ten virgins, and, and we, we start to go, okay, it appears that there's, you know, kind of this dichotomy thing going on, um, and, and this dichotomy thing seems to be pretty important. And sure enough, there are some judgment calls to be made here. There are some behaviors to be you know, sort of recognized here. And so as we go through this reading, we, we sort of pick up some of the behaviors that, that are happening. Uh, and, and so, you know, the first thing that, that we get in terms of a behavior is that we, we hear that there are these ten virgins and, and they're, they're showing up for a wedding banquet. Now, the way that this would have worked is that uh, there, there would have been sort of a wedding ceremony of sorts. Um, and then the groom and his buddies would go off and, and they would do something. Um, and and uh, everybody else would go and sort of go to the reception, if you will. Um, and so if you've been to a wedding recently, this is sort of familiar territory, except for the fact that the groom would usually be gone several days. Um, and, and so you really didn't know when he was coming back a lot of times and, and how that all worked out. Um, uh, and so uh, what we see is, is that, you know, these 10 virgins, they, you know, they go to the wedding reception place, wherever that's going to be, and, and they're just hanging out, you know, they're eating some hors d'oeuvres, they're listening to, it's usually Frank Sinatra, um, uh, unfortunately at Liz and I's wedding, it was Enya, even though we told the DJ not to play Enya, it still happened, Ugh. Um, uh, and, and so, you know, whatever it is, you, you can kind of get that vibe. And, and they're, they're waiting and waiting, and we find out that there is a behavior difference all of a sudden in the two. And the behavior difference is that the ones that are called foolish, well, they, it's not really a behavior as much as it's a omission of behavior. They didn't pack extra oil. They, they didn't bring any extra oil along with them, uh, and, and so, so we know that. We, we know that there's an omission of behavior there. 
Uh, and, and we know that the wise ones, we, we know that they have a behavior because they did pack. They thought ahead. They were like, hey, I know this guy. I know he's pretty late um, uh, a lot of the time. So I, I, I'm going I'm, I'm to bring along a flask of oil. And, and so, so we go, okay, so those are behaviors. And, and then we have another behavior. The bridegroom is running late. Which, you know, I, I think because we know in some way, you know, the bridegroom is Jesus, we don't want to be sort of snipping at him. Um, but I think if this actually happened at a, at a wedding reception, we would not be big fans of the bridegroom at this place. We would be like, what is taking that guy so long? You know, or maybe we'd be making excuses for him. Maybe we would be like, ah, it's just the photographer. They're taking a long time. Or, you know, maybe the limo driver got lost or, or whatever it is. Um, but it's a long time, long enough that the bridegrooms, or the, the bridesmaids here, the ten virgins, they all fall asleep. They all fall asleep. And they get up. And, and as they get up, they, they're woken by, by somebody saying, hey, here comes the bridegroom. And, and they get up and, and they start trimming their wicks. Now, um, not many of us have to trim our wicks anymore. So, so we're probably like, what on earth is that all about? And what they're doing is they're, they're trimming their wick. They, there's, uh, a good wick trim will mean that your, your lamp is bright and smoke, smokeless for the most part. Um, if you are a bad wick trimmer, though, it means that you're going to have a, less of a light and you're going to have more smoke. Uh, and, and so you know, they're, they're doing this and, and they're trying to make sure that they're trimming their wick the right way. And the foolish ones, they find out, oh, I don't have enough oil in here. That's going to be a problem. And so they go to the wise bridesmaids. And they say, hey, can we get some of your oil? And at this point, I think if we're just looking at this thing in terms of behavior, we go, the wise bridesmaids might be wise, but they're jerks, right? Because they're like, nuh-uh, you go down to the 7-Eleven and you grab yourself some oil. We're not sharing with you. We don't have enough to share with you. And so then the foolish bridesmaids, they go off, and while they're away, the bridegroom comes, and, he, and everybody gets entrance in except for the foolish bridesmaids, who are still down at the 7-Eleven because the ATM is broken. And, uh, and by the time that they get back, the door is shut, and they can't get in. And so you know, as we start judging things on behavior, we start going, okay, well, uh, what Jesus must be talking about here is, is about the oil, right? Because that seems to be what's at the crux of all of this. That seems to be what, what's at the center of, of this entire story is some people have oil and some people don't. And, and so some people are disciples and some people are just Christians, right? Oh, but maybe if we looked at this story in a little bit of a different way, we maybe might see a little bit of something different. We might actually see something that looks a little bit more like Jesus is teaching throughout the rest of the book of Matthew. Because throughout the rest of the book of Matthew, Jesus is like, hey, look, um, I have come in order to be the sacrifice for your sins. Not so that you can continue to work on trying to figure out how to save yourself, but I have rather come in order that you might have the assurance that you get in to the party. 
And so if we look at, at things that way, uh, what seems to be the real big issue here is not oil. What seems to be the big issue here is presence. Not, not Christmas presents. That'll happen soon. I know it's just, prime, just been Prime Day and we're going to ramp up into all of that stuff. But what we're talking about here is that, well, the, the wise virgins that get let in, they get let in because they're there. Not because they have oil, but because they're there. And that's kind of a big difference in, in the way of looking at this. Because I think a lot of times we start thinking about our discipleship in terms of oil. We start thinking about our discipleship in terms of, well, what am I doing in order to prepare myself for the coming of Jesus? What kind of good works am I racking up? Am I racking up enough? Am I bringing a flask of good stuff with me? Am I doing enough Bible reading in the morning so that when Jesus comes, he'll say, hey, good job, way to go. I saw that you were reading your Bible. Nice work. Or, uh, you know, uh, is, it, it, are we taking away from our oil somehow? Are we spilling out our oil by doing bad stuff? And, and so we start getting into this sense of like, okay, there, there's some kind of, uh, of a weird scale that's happening here. Uh, and yet here, what Jesus is saying, look, what I want from you is I want you to be there. I don't care if you have oil or not. I don't care if you have too much oil. I don't care if you have not enough oil. But what I want you to do is I want you to be there. A lot of you know that, that I spent quite a bit of my time in seminary um, every weekend with um, usually about two wedding receptions because I was working as a caterer. And so I know wedding receptions really, really well. And because I know wedding receptions really, really well, I know bridesmaids really, really well. And I know that bridesmaids are a mess. Totally a mess. All of the time, every single one. You know, and, and they're trying to put on this great you know, sort of facade about who they are, but they're all a mess internally. And I think that's the way that these are. You know, they, everybody's trying to put on this good show. Like, I, I, I need some oil. Or, I, ha I brought so much oil, look at me. What Jesus is saying is, what I really want is I just want you there to be celebrating the fact that I have come. And that fits perfectly into the way that we start off each and every service here at University Lutheran. Is that we invite you to come and be present in front of Jesus. In some weeks you're going to show up and your presence is going to be a presence that says, I don't have enough oil. Sometimes your presence is going to be a presence that shows up and says, I've got a lot of oil. And maybe I'm a little bit too proud of the oil that I have. But whatever it is, Jesus just calls us to be present before him and to say, Lord, 
on the weeks that I feel like I have enough oil and on the weeks that I feel like I don't have enough oil, I still recognize that even if I have enough oil, I don't have enough you. I don't have enough righteousness. I don't have enough grace. I don't have enough of everything that Jesus offers to us. And that presence is a presence that acknowledges a knowledge. A knowledge of who Jesus is for us. That we know that he is coming back one day and that that prepares our hearts in such a way that we maybe start doing good works and that we maybe start reading our Bibles and we maybe stop doing bad things. But it's not about the stuff that we start doing. But it's about the faith that we have that he is coming back one day and that we can be present before him in the midst of our mess and know that he'll still let us into the feast. That knowledge is worth an eternity. And so may you this week, may you know deep down inside that God has come for you. And that all he asks of you is to be present before him. Amen.